Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for So he turned around and looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. That's not the ones you see posted on office walls somewhere. Oh, he mauled all the bears. God sent them. Mauled all the kids. That's not the fluffy ones. I've actually literally seen people on talk shows use this passage to say that the God of the Bible is barbaric. Uh, Just totally blowing it out. No context whatsoever. First off, these youths were not exactly children. They were young men. This is the same exact thing as getting confronted by a bunch of wild gang members on the street. You're walking along and here they all come out and they're, they're up at you, right? It's not a good position to be in. And Elisha was severely outnumbered. They were threatening. They were mocking him. They were denying the power that he had just demonstrated in Jericho. And the reason they said, go up bald head, is because they were not only just mocking the way he looked, but basically they were saying, if you're a real prophet like Elijah was, then go up to heaven like he did. Go up bald head. If you're like Elijah, why don't you just get on out of here and go up and get out of our sight like he did? It's kind of like saying, we're glad Elijah's gone. Why don't you go up with him? Get out of here. We don't want you around. I think these, uh, these guys were... Baal worshippers is the reason they were acting like that. The prophets foresaw what was coming for Elisha, but these guys were in opposition to it. You can see where they stand. So if you remember on Mount Carmel, after the sacrifice was burned off the, offer, uh, off the altar, orders were given to kill all the prophets of Baal because the Lord was not going to have more of his beloved Israelites to be corrupted by this kind of belief system. So what you have here is the same thing with these youths. They were like young false prophets. You had the prophets that met Elisha coming in, but you've got false prophets. You've got your your God prophets and your devil prophets all in the land of Israel. Now he's facing off the opposite. He's facing the opposition, the, the prophets of Baal. And so obviously the Lord had been proving himself to the young prophets of the Lord who would honor him But now he's taking out the false prophets of Baal who would mock him. Now, if these false young prophets were, or or the young guys of Baal were still allowed to exist in Israel, there would just be further corruption, which is exactly going against what the Lord's trying to do. And so the Lord used bears to execute judgment against these guys. Hey, we saw the Lord have to execute judgment against one of his own prophets. Not too long ago, when he did something wrong, he sinned against the Lord. And because the message was so big and such a national level, the payment had to be heavy too, which was why I'm saying the payment on Jesus was heavy too, because it's on a worldwide scale. But now the judgment was against these 42 guys. Seventy. It says that 42 of them were mauled. 42. 42. 
This means a demonstration was staged beforehand to catch him, Elisha, to protest against him, to plan a planned protest against the Lord. And you know, there's that old phrase that angry moms say whenever a bad guy dares mess with their children, I'm going to go mama bear on you. And I really got to thinking about this. This gives you a whole fresh look on that, doesn't it? Going mama bear on somebody. So whenever bad guys try to mess with God's children, he will go mama bear on them. And he did it here. Just like he did to the Baal worshipers on Mount Carmel. He did it to protect Elisha, but also to stop them from hindering the spiritual healing of the rest of Israel. The Lord God protects his children. We had somebody sneaking around over here. We went in there. We protect our children. This is the Lord God protecting his children. That's what it is. It's not barbarism. It's protecting children. Any one of you, somebody messed with your kids, you would go mama bear on them too, wouldn't you? Enough said. Talk shows, take that. All right. 2 Kings 2.25. Then he went from there to Mount Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria. Now, the fact that Elisha went directly to Mount Carmel, I'd be willing to bet you the reason he went there is because people at Carmel remembered how the Lord destroyed their Baal worship with fire that one time with uh, in 1 Kings 18, that was with Elijah. So after news of Elijah's departure came, some of the people might have been thinking, okay, he's gone now. We can get back to Baal worship again. Why don't we crank that whole thing right back up? Elijah's out of here. We have nobody against us. So guess where Elijah goes? He goes right up to Mount Carmel. Nuh-uh. Don't you do it. It's still on. <laughs> New vessel. He went to show them a reminder, you better not turn back to Baal because the Lord is still here working. That was an important move on his part. So in review of this chapter, we see that Elisha's call to ministry did not come easy. came with a struggle, and the Lord may call you to things for you to do that are not easy. Well, not right now, Lord God. I'm not feeling my, my best. I'm not financially in the best shape. I'm not, this isn't the best time for me, and everybody's going to want to tell you something about it. I don't want to hear it. I, just don't talk to me about it. They could be encouraging you. Don't know. You're going to have to weigh that out. But it came with a struggle. And this was all before the Lord confirmed Elisha's call in front of the prophets. He was tested several times by being told not to travel with Elijah. Elijah himself is the one that told him, go back three times. Go back, go back, go back. The closest guy that you're expecting to take over from. Now, I'm reminded of when Jesus tested Peter three times before he sent Peter out with the gospel. Three times he asked Peter, do you love me? And each time that he asked Peter, do you love me? That word for love that he used got more personal each time. We have one word for love in English. Love, love, love. When you read it in the book, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus used three different words that pierced him closer and deeper each time. Uh, John 21, 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And look there. Did it say Peter felt great? It said Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Kind of reminds me of the same thing Elijah did to Elisha. 
Go back, go back, go back. Okay, now, let's get to work. I see a lot of similarities in this. Testing requires hurt, has hurt in it. Like I said, when you go work out at the gym, you're trying to develop that muscle, but it hurts. Testing hurts. Elisha was so broke up about it, he couldn't even talk about it. Peter was hurt here too. I've been tested in my pastoral calling. Uh, I've had people close to me tell me to quit. Like I said, that one uh, pastor, he literally told me, you are not called to ministry. What is a guy like me that doesn't know how it works? What am I supposed to think? Listen to this pastor tell me you're not. Boy, that was a, mm, I had to really get over that, but the Lord had to help me with that. So I understand how Elisha felt every time Elijah told him, don't come. Be like, you got to be kidding me. You called me. We had the party. Now you're telling, what? It's a test of, the, of his commitment and his faith. And even after Elisha demonstrated the authority that he was given, when he struck the water in front of all the prophets, still everybody wanted to leave him to go find Elijah. I mean, this, none of this is easy. He's facing it all the way. I felt it too when I took over pastor of the church and a lot of people left. Well, there's a lot of new people here too. Y'all weren't here when that happened, so we just keep going, right? You know, I got to thinking as I studied this, you know, Peter was hurt. Elijah was probably hurt. You know, I got to realize that Elisha was not Elijah no more than I'm Dove Schwartz. But just like Elisha had to remember his calling, the confirmation of his calling, I had to remember mine. And that, that'll play with your head sometimes. You got to remember your confirmation no matter what people tell you or say. But your own faith is going to be tested, and oftentimes it's going to hurt. It's just, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. It's going to hurt. People are going to say things about you. They're going to capitalize on things that they know you have weaknesses for. I've got psoriasis on my arms. I know it. You see it. And people have used that. Well, look at that. Uh, you know, they, they, they look, go up, you bald head. They'll do that. And if you, if you take it personal, you might miss the fact you're being tested for something better that they don't even know that, that's coming. Remember your calling. What did the Lord call you to do? How can people make you doubt what the Lord told you? So I had to remember my calling. Your own faith is going to be tested. It's often going to hurt. But this is not for the purpose of hurting you, but rather each time you're tested, you will become more solidified if you remember your call. James 1-2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. I needed that. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I lacked a lot. Sometimes I still do. But coming up into this, there's a lot of things that had to be wrung out of me. You got to sometimes wring that rag hard to get everything out of all that bad stuff you're carrying that you won't let go. When God says, look, I know you don't see it, but I can wring it out of you. If you won't let it go, I'll, I'll get it. <laughs> and he'd ring it out. Meanwhile, going mama bear on everybody that would try to, to, to hinder you. God's doing a good work. Ah, I hate this ring and stop that. But you got to get rid of this other stuff. Well, I can't believe so-and-so said that to me. That hurt. You need to hear it. It can be harsh, but it's necessary. Like I said, I don't work out for the purpose of hurting my muscles. I do it to be strengthened so that I will have no lack. No lack of strength. Peter needed to be perfected so that he would be complete, just as Elijah needed to be complete before he took Elijah's 
uh, Elisha needed to be uh, completed before he took Elijah's place. Just as all of us, we all need it and still continually need it. We need perfecting before we go out and do any of the callings that God has called us to perform. Nobody's ever ready right off the bat without God equipping. All right, just give it to me, Lord, let's go. Oh, some of it might hurt. (laughs) That's the part people don't want. They see the Ray Jensen at the pulpit. They hear the Ray Jensen on Set for Life radio. That's cool. I'd like to be all over the radio. I'd like to do all that, really. Okay, well, can you take all this testing and all this stuff? I could tell you about it. It's not fun. It hurts. It still does sometimes, depending. It's not easy. I can see it when I'm talking to people at the coffee shop and I start saying certain things about Jesus. I see that look on their face like, here he goes. I see it. We don't like this. We don't want to hear this. And, and then I was talking to one gal here a while back at the coffee shop. She was all about it. And the next, the next times I've seen her, she will not talk to me. Somebody got in her ear. She is done. Okay, that's, that's all right. It's going to happen. Tests often scare people. But let me offer you hope. Remember how we saw God prove to his people that he had not abandoned them. Both Elijah and Elisha parting the water, it would have reminded the Israelites that the same God who parted the Red Sea was still among them today. I want to encourage you that that same God is still with us today. Psalm 94.14, For the Lord will not cast off his people, nor will he forsake his inheritance. Now that verse messed with my head. His inheritance? What does God inherit? <laughs> Wait a minute. I had to, His inheritance. No one wants to miss out on their inheritance. Everybody wants it. We saw Elisha pursue, pursue, pursue. He wanted his inheritance, that double portion that the law allowed him. He called Elijah father, meaning inheritance. He want, People want their inheritance. Inheritance is highly valued. Friends, God's people are his inheritance. That's what he gets. And he wants you. And he will pursue you even beyond three times that you tell him, no, get back away from me. He will pursue his inheritance, his people. That's what that verse did to me. I saw his inheritance and I said, what? His inheritance. Elisha wanted his inheritance. So he asked according to the law, we have our own inheritance ahead of us. We know God's inheritance. What's ours? First Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Eternal life. Your inheritance. God's people is his inheritance and eternal life with Jesus. That's our inheritance. And the fact that it says it is kept, it's reserved. It's like buying a ticket to the movies so that nobody's going to get your seat. It's making a reservation. Nobody's going to take your spot. And the moment you give your life to Jesus, he will cleanse you just like how the Lord cleansed Jericho's lifeless, bitter 
water, he will cleanse you. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And guess what? You're going to be a new vessel too, <laughs> like a new bowl. So consider, consider how we are all sinners and that upon belief, the Holy Spirit will indwell us internally. This means that the Holy Spirit has the ability to part the barriers that are in his way. Like that Jericho, like the Red Sea, he can part the barriers that are in his way, showing us that he is the same God who was with Israel then, then is the same God who is with us today. He parted the waters then. He parted the waters with Elijah and Elisha. He will part the bitter waters in your life to come in and cleanse you out. I'm a new bowl, (laughs) a new vessel. The Lord purifies and heals us from the bitter barrenness of sin. 1 Corinthians, oh, that's the communion. I jumped ahead. I need, if I could have two of our guys get the elements in the back that uh, whoever wants to, that's fine. Thank you all. So we're going to remember what the Lord has done for us and all this work that he did that he put on display here. Lots of work went into this, not just for the Lord to die on the cross, but you see his prophets, his people, his called men then and today. It's a lot of work that they go through. Persecution. Trial, suffering, abandonment, all these things that people will do that the Lord God will never do. He says, I will not leave you. I didn't leave anybody then. I ain't going to start now. And he shows us all these pictures of what he did in the past to show us that he operates the same throughout history. If the Lord God wasn't going to abandon his people in Egypt, he's not going to abandon the people that were in Israel taken over by Baal worship. He's not going to abandon you today either once you give your life to him. He is good to us. He commands and seals with covenant your inheritance, your promise of salvation. And I'd like to ask you to think about the things that are going on in your life today, the things that people have said to you that you're hung up on, they hurt me, and you're taking it personal. I, let me ask you to hit the, the pause button for just a minute. Don't take it personal what they said to you, what they did to you. They don't know above what God is doing. As long as you know what God's doing, whatever they said, maybe they're like the prophets of Baal. Maybe they're like the prophets of the Lord. Even though you don't want to hear it right now, maybe the things they're telling you are part of your testing that is equipping you to get ready for something you're just not ready for yet. You're not strong enough to do it yet, but he's trying to get you there. I was given a good illustration recently that a car is not something you put a five-year-old in to drive. That's too much power for them. They will hurt somebody, if not themselves. They need to mature. They need to grow up first. Then they're mature enough to take that steering wheel. Maybe God has called you to something, and you know He's called you to something, but you're not quite ready yet. So maybe what people are telling you, maybe that's a test to see where your commitment really is. If you said, well, they, everybody tells me no, and you quit, maybe you ought not to. What does the Lord say? What has the Lord told you to do? Listen to God, not everybody. Everybody has the ability to tell you no and that you're worthless. That's why I say every time up here, you are not worthless. You're priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you because you need to listen to what the Lord told you to do. 
And let the Lord demonstrate that, not what everybody says. Even if they're a pastor, what did the Lord tell you? It's got to agree with God's Word. And so we remember what the Lord God did for us on the cross. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us eat this bread to remember him. In the same manner also... In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant. Covenant means promise, that means sealed, that means authority of God, that means no one breaks what he has established. That word covenant is big, okay? So he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. I stomp when I say that because it's power. Covenant in my blood, this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's take this. Father God, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for all you have shown us in 2 Kings 2. Lord, I am encouraged in my calling. I pray that you encourage everybody here in whatever calling you've put on them, that any doubts they had, you take the doubts away that you give them that figurative mantle in their hands that has been put to them for them to use it. And Lord, we may want to see if it works sometimes, like Elisha did. Lord, I ask that when we have opportunity to utilize it, you give us some definite fruit, some definite productivity, progress from it, like Elisha did when he tried it out. Where is the God of Israel? He's here. Lord God, we have a lot of doubt in the room. We have uh, some people not sure. I think I'm supposed to do I I don't know, but everybody's telling me no, no. Lord, speak to your people and you tell them directly. And then when you confirm it, Lord, like you did with me in Israel, with that man that spoke to me, Lord, I asked for opportunity. You send people to confirm callings in this room because Lord, we're going out with the gospel in this community. We're not just playing church here. We're doing real stuff. There are people, Lord God, that need confidence. There are people here that need assurance of what they're doing. Lord, am I wasting time? Am I? Lord, give them that assurance so that they know that they know that they know. We thank you for it, Father. We have told you more than three times, no, Lord God. You have told us more than three million times, yes. We pray, Lord, that we don't go looking for others. We look for the ones that have been given the confirmation. Lord, I... I'm fine. I'm okay with people that, ha- that had left the church before that I used in my message today. Lord, I pray they're blessed where they went, but Lord God, I'm not going to take it personal. Lord, I ask that people today, they don't take things like that personal. Just march on. Just keep going. Don't quit. But Lord, we can't do this without you. So we thank you, Lord, for you helping us continue our, our mission call to take the gospel to the world so they can see Jesus so that we can make him known. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is where I say again, you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. I pray you've been blessed. I pray you're better off than you were than than what you got here. Amen. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first.
Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.